Hi folks, Jack Spirico here. Today you are listening to an episode of TSP Rewind. <laughs> Commercial free versions of past episodes, podcasts, blasts from the past. I put these up when I can't do a show due to professional commitments or rare vacations. These podcasts will appear in standard iTunes, Stitcher, and other feeds, but will be titled TSP Rewind Episodes and numbered accordingly. And today, folks, we are rewinding back to January the 15th, 2019. This episode was originally called The Power of the Side Hustle and Winning with Money. I've got some new content and some announcements and some things uh, today for you that I, you know, sometimes we'll just jump ahead to the episode. Um, this would be one I'd kind of like you to listen to because I've got a bunch of stuff for you. I want to start out with why I'm doing this. It's, it's a double reason. Uh, number one... Um, I have just something in the air has hit hard here. My wife and I both it triggered like a major allergic reaction, um, you know, it's being congested and all that. And um, I don't know what it is, but something, like I said, hit. And, and my wife and I both tend not to have uh, major reactions like this to pollens and things like that. But apparently the tree pollen and grass pollen are both through the roof in our area for some reason all of a sudden. And if you could hear my voice... Sleeping with, you know, draining in the throat and all. It's, it's made my voice raspy. And I'm in one of those modes where I can tell if I try to do a full podcast today, by the time I get to the end of it, I'm going to really sound bad and I'm not going to give you my best work. So I figured a little short intro to this and we'll do this episode that I think is really important. And I'll have some new commentary on in just a moment. But the other side of this is I can't afford to rape my voice this week. I just can't. I put out a uh, Miyagi Mornings episode today. It was like 15 minutes long, uh, video as always, and I barely got through it without my voice completely trailing off to being cracked. It's been several hours since I did that. I've not said a word. I've sat here drinking herbal tea, and I sound good. I need to sound good this Thursday because I have an announcement for you guys today. I am going to be speaking at the Dollar Vigilante Summit on, on Thursday this week. I think around 12.15 Eastern, if I remember, or it's 12.15 my time. I don't remember exactly, um, but all the details went out in a post today where you can sign up for it. If you want to attend it, it's a two-day event. The lineup of speakers is amazing. It's $97. Bucks. And you get to watch all the videos and live stream for the $97. Bucks. I mean, these are people like Doug Casey and, and, and folks at that level. So I was really honored to be asked to be part of this. There is a VIP thing where you get to keep the videos for good, I think. I don't know how much that costs. Um, this is brand new. This was just brought to me last week, and we just got it all worked out over the weekend that I'll be speaking Thursday. And uh, so I have a post. There's a link where you can sign up. It is an affiliate link. I don't even know what I make on it. I don't care. It was just like, well, if I can get an affiliate link, I'll use it, right? I, I Just to be at this event's a big deal. I can't strain my voice through this week starting today, and then on Thursday have to do the podcast and the presentation and the Miyagi. I just can't. It, it's too much of a risk that I won't be able to do my best during that presentation. And uh, being able to present at something Jeff Berwick's doing, that's going to give me a huge amount of exposure. So I, I really need to do that. I'm going to be talking about the practical to the tactical in the world of prepping, and I'll be giving things like you know how to determine the things that you need to, to, to specifically put into your preps. We're calling, again, practical to tactical. We'll talk about um, our, um, our survival tenants and things like that. But what I'm really going to drive home is the importance of actually having a value-added skill set 
if you're going to have community. And so I think it'll be a really great, very powerful presentation, and I will be leaving time for Q&A. Uh, Jeff will come back on with me for that. I think this will be a great event, and I just wanted you guys to know about that. Again, that's on Thursday of this week, and uh, consider coming. The next thing is I don't do real commercials during, and you know, I'll do sponsor segments and all during rewinds. I do want to remind you guys about T-SPAS, and you can always help support us by doing your online shopping at T-SPAS. And I also wanted to tell you that it is Prime Day today, and it's Prime Day tomorrow. So I think they should call it Prime Days with an S, but whatever. The next two days are Prime Days. That's where they have all kinds of stuff on sale. And I do have an item of the day for you today, because I wasn't planning on doing a rewind until I did that episode of Miyagi Mornings this morning. And you can hear my voice right now, and as it declined through that, I'm like, I can't do a full episode. Uh, so I had an item of the day for you. It's the Anchor Soundcore Life P2 True Wireless Earbuds. These things are awesome. They are every bit as good. In my opinion, they actually have better sound than, than Apple's uh, AirPods. And they are about a fourth of the price, depending on whether the AirPods are on sale or not. These are on sale today, $39. Whenever they're on sale for $39, I bring them around. And I always say, if you don't, if you buy the AirPods opposed to these, you hate money. And our episode today is about winning with money. You don't win with money by hating money. These things are awesome. They are black versus white. And I'll just say there's a scene and something about Mary and you guys with these, you know, earpieces that have the long piece that hangs down on the ear and the white, you make me think of a certain scene in that movie, and you probably shouldn't wear white ones. Just saying, because yeah, that's what comes to people's minds. More than one person has said it, you know, well beyond me. The other thing I wanted you to know, though, Anchor is my favorite value brand electronics out there. They are, they produce equipment and gear that's top quality as a value brand. So they're not like a cheap brand, they're a high-quality brand that sells for less money. They stand behind everything, and almost everything they're, 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 that they have today on Amazon is on a Prime Day deal. So if you've been looking to like you know stock up on their backup power, any of their other audio equipment, um, their charging cables, all that, is the best gear there is at the price. Uh, today would be a good day to do it, but make sure when you're you know taking advantage of Prime Day, you use tspaz.com when you do so, so you can help support us and the work that we do. So now let's talk a little bit about the subject that I picked for you guys today. Again, this, this episode was called The Power of Side Hustle and Winning with Money. It, it is the one thing, and it is a piece of what I'm going to talk about at my, uh, my presentation at the Dollar Vigilante Summit. I think that if you, the, all this talk that we have about community about interacting with other people, etc. If you're not doing something that generates unique value, then it, it makes it difficult for you to participate in commerce within your community. What you end up doing is a hybrid. You're earning money outside of the community, and you're doing it through a third party, a, an employer or something like that, where you're literally working directly within the system, and therefore... Your ability to interoperate, you know, to, 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 to work with people within this community you're trying to build, this alternative community is inherently limited because the only value that you really have to bring to the table is money. And the problem with that is, is the money is tied to an income in a conventional sense. It's inherently limited. And it doesn't matter if you put money into Bitcoin. It doesn't matter if you have privacy coins like Monero or Pirate Chain. It's still inherently, there's only so much of it. Every time you spend it, it's gone. And the only way to get more is you go back to the systems. 
side hustles might be working within a system. One of our expert council uh, members, Tim Toolman Cook, right? He's a handyman. So he's doing work for people within his community. They're paying with dollars, with Canadian dollars in his example. And so that looks very much like a typical business. But it's a business. It's not employment. He's in control. And every time he does business with somebody, he's building another relationship. But how is he able to do that? Value. I need this thing done, and I either don't think I'll do a good job, I don't have time to do it, uh, I'll it, it'll look like crap and I'll have to live with it and I don't want to, or I could kill myself because I don't know how to work on, let's say, something that has electricity in it, and I don't want to kill myself. So I'll get this individual to come do it for me. And instead of buying from, you know, Megamar Corporation, I'm buying from Tim, who I've met through a referral or what have you. This is the power of side hustle. This is how we win with money. It amazes me how much people think doing this is risky and their alternative is employment that can be terminated at will by an employer who doesn't really care about you. They don't really care about you. Now, I know a lot of you, maybe you work for smaller companies and all, and you do know, you know your boss well. Your boss cares about you as a person, but if his boss tells him to fire you, you're gone. He might even go to bat for you, but when they say, you know, Bill, um, this is the this is the, the way it is, and we can either fire him or you can fire yourself, you know. But one way or another, we have to cut costs. You're gone, and the bigger the company, the more that's true. And even in a company where you know the ownership, I have fired people from company I've owned, companies I've owned or had ownership in, and I liked the person, and I really didn't want to, but the situation dictated it. The only person I've never fired is me. And we're entering a world where the, the powers that be are trying to convince you that you have value so, simply for existing that you should be compensated for. That's, that's what universal basic income is. Society doesn't work this way, and the market equalizes fast. If you give every person on the planet a stipend of $1,000 a month, $1,000 will buy almost nothing within one year. But we'll always buy something, no matter what the money is, no matter what the medium of exchange is, is the ability to provide value to another human being. The ability to make sure that your neighbor can eat and have choices that they normally wouldn't have. The ability to build something or to teach something or to provide information to someone. This will always have value. And that's why I chose this episode for today. So with that, let's go ahead and rewind back to January 15th, 2019, not that long ago. The power of side hustle and winning with money. So let's get into it now. So let's start talking about the way to get your mind around this today so that as we approach this, we do so in a way where it can be productive for you and actually work. So we're going to talk about One of, again, what I've called the primary support planks that need to be in place for real modern survival living. We're not talking about storing food uh, or buying the right guns, getting defensive training, or securing your property, right? All those things are incredibly important, and there's a ton more that's important as well. But what's the primary leverage we use to get these things and many others done? And, of course, the answer is money. Money if we look at it the right way, is really just symbolic energy. It's what it really represents. It doesn't matter whether that's human labor, uh, a natural energetic system like an agricultural system, 
or man-made automation that has some means of production, it, it's all about energy. In a sense, real monetary economics is, is basically thermoeconomics. To make it simple, when you do work, you get paid money for that work. Your energy was used to charge up, think about it this way, like an economic battery. It's like a Stephen Harris battery pack. That's what your bank account's like. So you just dumped a bunch of energy into that battery. And now, what are the options that you can do with that energy? And it's really simplistic when you break it down like this. Um, number one, you can apply it so you get more energy back. You can take that energy and push it into some other system that generates additional value so it creates more energy, unlike the laws of, of thermodynamics where actually energy cannot increase It always said there's always to be actually we actually can use that energy to increase it and make more energy if we do it right in a smart way. So basically, somebody else wants some of our energy and is willing to pay us interest on it. That's really what all investments are, one way or another. That's what's going on there. So that's investing. We can spend it. So we charged up our battery. Now we want to watch TV. We plug the TV into the battery, and we're draining the battery. That's what spending is. You're draining your battery. You just put all this effort into charging up. You've traded the energy you gave for that money in return for this thing, whatever it may be. Entertainment, education, fun, ego, doesn't matter. You have drained the battery. And that's really what you can do. You can either let it sit there and store it. You can channel it somewhere where it creates a larger return and invest it, or you can spend it. And there's really nothing else you can do. With this view of economics, we begin to understand the purpose money serves for the systems of control, and then using what I would call economic martial arts, we can redirect that to our own purpose. The truth is, in my view anyway, money is both the single biggest liberating force ever created, It's also the single most powerful tool of enslavement at the same time. And the choice is yours. So what is it going to be for you today? And what is it for you today? Right now, is money enslaving you? Or is it giving you freedom? The, important, the more important question then will be, well, what shall it be for you tomorrow? What will you do if the answer is, it is enslaving me? To turn it into something liberating. And let me explain real quick how money both enslaves and liberates. In the dawn of man, before there was money, people want to believe that we were better off. Well, in that time period, men, as they met in packs, would exchange and barter things. The barter is as old as human contact. But what that meant is that everybody had to really be kind of a jack-of-all-trades. Like, if you had a guy that was really good at making spearheads, he couldn't spend his whole day making spearheads. Everybody had to be able to make spearheads, and if Tom's spearhead was better than Bob's spearhead, tough. But when we got to a point where we were able to create a monetary instrument of any kind, didn't have to be what we think today of as money, but something that everybody would agree, we will see this as a symbol. And this can be used to buy meat or grain or spearheads, etc. Then the guy that really, really was passionate about making spearheads could make spearheads until he became an absolute master, and train others to do so. And the guy that really wanted to grow grain could do that, and the guy that really wanted to tan hides could do that. 
And so it freed us to become, in some level, specialized in that which we most wanted to do. At the same time, people that understood the power that was money, that understood that it was energy, that understood that when it was earned, it should either be stored or invested rather than spent, those people then figured out that we could take that person who wants to make tan and tan hides And we could loan them some money so that we could make some more money off. And if we did it right, they would work their entire life constantly paying a portion to us when all we did was loan them the money. And in time, systems grew as far as political and socioeconomic systems combined together, which we call fascism because that's what it is. And that's how most economic systems in the world are run today. They're fascist, no matter whether they're socialist, capitalist, etc., As a dominant force, the interior is a fascist system of economics. I didn't say Nazis, I said fascist economics. So that the system involves the state using authority and force, along with the corporate interest money, to control society and get society to behave the way that the people in power want you to behave. And once you understand that, then you can make a decision that I am not going to play by their rules. I am going to look for the patterns and the points of escape, and I'm going to seek my own freedom. And I'm going to understand that the best thing I can do when I earn money is to save it or invest it. And when I buy something, I'm going to have a clear reason as to why I buy it. And that brings me to my first main point for today, and that is it all adds up. This is something you have to understand about money or you'll never win with money. It all adds up, and it either adds up for you or it adds up against you. People that are broke, I hear it all the time. Well, what would you do today? Well, you know, I went to Starbucks. Okay, so why are you buying expensive? Well, you know, I only get the regular cup of coffee. It's like two bucks. Okay, it's only two bucks. I get that. And two bucks will not change your life. But did you go yesterday? Yeah. Are you going to go tomorrow? Yeah. Okay, so it's $10 a week. Why don't you go invest in an $18 French press and go ahead and drink $12 a pound coffee? And by the end of the month, you'll come out ahead like $20. It'll cut your price in half, and you'll be able to drink more coffee, and frankly, you'll be able to drink better coffee. Well, that's only $20. And it, that, that, and it, it doesn't have to be coffee. Let me explain. That does not have to be the thing. That, when that person tells me that, I am done. You are not at a point yet where you're feeling enough pain, where life has kicked you in the balls hard enough for you to come to Jesus and understand your problem. So go ahead and continue to destroy yourself. And these people always think if they get a raise, they'll be better off. If they fix their problem and they get a raise, they will be better off. If they don't fix their problem and they get a raise, they will be worse off. It's like a drug addict whose problem is I don't have quite enough money to buy quite enough drugs getting a raise if you don't fix the underlying problem. So understand that. All the little shit, it all adds up for you or it all adds up against you. Next, frugality. I preach frugality. I do not preach cheapness. Frugality looks at the long-term cost of something. Cheap considers the current cost. I am going to say something, though. My, my law of life for this is always be frugal, never be cheap. There is an asterisk that comes after that one. There is a time to be cheap. I have to have this or I'm going to be in deep shit in some way and I can do this for 10 bucks. 
It's going to break. I probably won't ever need it again anyway. And i got to do this right now. Okay, go to the cheapest thing. I've been required by my employer to, to provide something for my job that I don't even think I need and I see no use for. Right? So that's the exception, and you can work it out from there. Inevitably, though, people end up being cheap with things that are going to be in their life for a long time. I was just a garden hose for this. But if you think baking an Excel spreadsheet to figure out the lifetime cost of, a, of one garden hose or the 10-year cost of one garden hose versus the multiple costs of garden hoses over time during the same 10-year period is overreach, then you're not getting it. Because back to the first point, it all adds up, and it either adds up for you or against you. So we buy the things that are lifetime investments when we can. We buy the best quality that we can afford for the lowest price we can get. That's frugality. And just keep in mind, factor in the lifetime cost of things. And don't do mental masturbation with that. If you're talking about putting a roof on your house, you want to use these newfangled uh, tiles that are solar panel tiles, you better be factoring in, okay, what's my ROI look like if I sell the house in five years versus put cheap conventional roofing on it? And, and use real hard numbers. You can't say, well, in 25 years, that roof is going to, you don't know if you're going to be there 25 years unless you really know. So when you do lifetime, make sure you're being serious about it. And also kind of just put it out. Well, what's it look like over five years? What's it look like over ten years? And you won't always have to build an Excel spreadsheet for this. You can. It's a good idea in the beginning. You'll get to where you can start doing these numbers in your head really, really fast. You just immediately go, oh, that's a better deal. Um, understand what I said in the intro. Your ability to generate income is your greatest asset. So are you using it? Are you using it to its fullest potential for you? That's why we're talking about side hustles today, and we're going to talk a little bit about getting more money out of your employment. If you don't understand, though, that your greatest asset is your ability to create income, you will waste your greatest asset. You'll sit around on your ass, eating popcorn, watching Netflix you're paying 15 bucks a month for, thinking you're saving money over going to see a movie, when you could be doing something during that time, to earn far more than that 15 bucks. And then it's okay to buy Netflix for 15 bucks. Okay? That's part of the way to start thinking for this. Make stuff pay for itself. Before we go any further, though, I do want to say something. Because when you talk about money, inevitably somebody comes and goes, money isn't everything. I know that. So I'm going to tell you that so you can't tell me that as an excuse. Money isn't everything. But what I have found in my working relationships with people in life, people that win with money, people that win economically in their life, generally win in most areas of their life. Yeah, you can show me a, a successful comedian that blew his brains out or something like that. I understand. But that's a different problem. And you're not that person. What I'm saying is, not people that got really rich, but people that took the money that was coming into their lives and said, I'm going to take control of this. I'm not going to let it just whimsically go around. I'm not going to just, you know, I got my retirement, I said it and forget it, and I don't have to worry about it, and I talked to my financial liar once a year, and then I pissed this money away over here, and that's okay because I'm saving over there, and when I need money, I'll just take a home equity loan, and they don't actually take control of that income. So even if they look financially okay, 
They're not in bankruptcy or anything. They're not in control of it. Money's freaking powerful. Money is power. Nobody, when you say that, nobody's like, no, it's not. People understand, money is power. So, you know what else is powerful? A gun is powerful. You don't just leave guns loaded, laying all around your freaking house. We put guns away. We protect them. We clean them. We oil them. We provide maintenance to them. If a gun's loaded, it's on our person or it's put away. It's somehow secured. So they can be gotten quickly if we need it for defense, but we don't leave it laying on the living room floor where our kids play because we respect its power. Fire is powerful. Thermoeconomics, anyone? Fire is powerful. So if we're, if we're burning a fire in the fireplace, we make sure the freaking grate's closed. We make sure the wood is inside the fireplace. We keep an eye on it. We don't just light a raging fire and then leave the house all day. Right? We don't do that. If we have fire burning in some sort of open system, we, we supervise it. We have, we, we have respect for its power because we know it can burn our effing house down. Then understand that's what your money is. Your money is a rattlesnake. It can be part of an exhibit where people pay to come and see that rattlesnake, or it can bite you, envenomate you, and make you very sick or even kill you. So have respect for its power. Money isn't everything, but when you take control of money's power instead of letting it controlling you, you have made a decision that that's what you're going to do with everything in your life, so you generally win with everything in your life that you control. doesn't mean you couldn't get cancer or get hit by a gravel truck or end up with an unfaithful spouse, but even that is less likely when you win with money. The majority of divorces in our society today stem from economic problems even when they end in infidelity. Win with money, you can win in life. So, let's talk a little bit now about the power of the side hustle. We're going to get into some ideas for side hustles in a bit. Right now, I just want to talk about the power of the side hustle, why it's such a good way to go. Number one, done right, they are low to zero risk. You know, I talked about the aquarium thing yesterday and selling plants. If you're going to have an aquarium anyway, if you've made a decision that's a hobby you like, then you were going to spend the money on the tank and the filter and everything. Unless you go, no mental masturbation in this. You don't give yourself permission to go out and spend $10,000 on fish crap because, well, one day I'm going to make the money back. You have to have a plan, and you need to start right away. Side hustles are small. Side hustles are small. So, you know, we can start with a couple hundred bucks, and if we can make the couple hundred bucks back, now we've got a proof concept. So if we do things that way, we start doing pet sitting. You don't need crap. Maybe if you're going through a service like Rover, you need to get vetted and maybe you have to pay for a background check. That's like 50 bucks. Okay, I call that low risk. So side hustles are low to zero risk endeavors that we can test the waters to see if they're going to work for us. Number two, even the ones that fail make you better. They make you better in every way imaginable. If you go out and you say, well, I'm going to sell plants, just as an example. I don't care what kind of plants they are, edibles, ornamentals, plants out of a fish tank, I don't give a shit. And you figure out like a platform to put them on, you figure out how to do pictures and descriptions, how to set up a, a, an account so that you can receive money on the internet, and how to market that, and you sell enough to make a few bucks, but you realize like this just isn't the thing for me, well, what do you know how to do now? 
You know how to identify a market. You know how to set up and take payment online. You know how to market a product. You know how to control inventory. You know how to ship a product. And whether you want to ever do that again or if you want to go non-physical or drop shipping. You have a model that you can now replicate and take into some other sector. And you can switch and go, I didn't like product business, so I want to go into a service business. But 80% of it is transferable. You'll get up and running much faster the second time and much faster the third time and much faster the fourth time. You might be thinking, well, how many times am I going to do this? Let me read it to you again. Let me just get it through to your head today. Those who call the successful man lucky have seldom walked as far, failed as often, sacrificed as much, or risen as early to achieve such luck in their own lives. Failed as often. Every successful person I know has a list of failures. And unlike losers who hide their failures, the successful are proud of their failures. Isn't that interesting? People live life constantly in a loser mindset. They actually have very few fail failures because they don't. Their failure is a failure to try. And they hide and make excuses for it. The successful person is like, yeah, I screwed that up, totally butchered that, messed that up, made the wrong decision there, sucked, but now I'm successful. Failed as often. So, every single one makes you better. As long as you stick to low, zero risk initially. And side hustle should always be loaded to, to, to no risk. Always. Because they're side hustles. Starting a big business, opening a restaurant is not a zero risk business. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, but it's not a side hustle. Being a personal chef for people, that's a side hustle. It's low to zero risk. Next, they can grow into large income streams. They can become big businesses. They can become lifestyle businesses. You can earn a multi-six-figure income on a business you start as a side hustle. Like some loon talking to people in his car on an MP3 player that he bought for 30 bucks at Best Buy with an old screwed-up Plantronics headset that he thinks was 20 bucks but doesn't even remember it and a shitty WordPress blog to start out, and cheap hosting from HostGator. You can turn that into a multi-six-figure business. How do I know? I know because I did it. And I'm not bragging. But you can't know something unless you can see it or you've done it. And once you've done it, or once you've seen it, you can't unknow it or undo it. It's, it's happened, even if you screw it up. Even if you go into bankruptcy. Well, you did it, so you know it can be done. And all of a sudden, the excuses become nothing but annoyances. And I would think we have to, when you become successful, you have to have a little bit of humility and understand. And remember, there was a time when you made excuses too. But you also have to be honest with people and say, hey, if you want this, if you want more, you got to stop with the excuses. Not because I never did, but because I didn't succeed until I stopped. So not only do I know it can be done, I know what it takes. I also believe that side hustles can help us find our true purpose. By not becoming emotionally married to any of our side hustles. He said, I'm going to try this. See how, see how it works. If we get to a point where we're like, this makes me miserable, and or this doesn't make me enough money, then we stop. We haven't failed. We've quit something that doesn't make sense. Or, I kind of like this, but it's not making me enough money. Can I tweak it? Or... I love this, but it's not making me enough money. Can I tweak it? I hate this, but it's making me money. 
Can I tweak it so I don't hate it anymore? Do I hate it because I hate the thing that I thought I liked in the first place? Or do I hate certain aspects of what I have to do? Can I build it to the point where somebody else can do that shit who just sees it as a job? And I don't care if they hate it. As long as they do a good job, I'll pay them. All of these things open up to you when you do a side hustle, when you become any level of an entrepreneur. And very few of them open up as an employee. But I do want to talk to the guys that just want to be employees, that don't want a business, don't want a side hustle today. Here's some basic advice. Number one, walk across the street to earn a dollar more. What I mean by that is, if you can get a raise, go get it. And the reason I use the term walk across the street is I would not suggest you move from Philadelphia to Tallahassee to get a $1 raise unless you wanted to move to Tallahassee and you not only got a job and it paid a little better. That's different. That's, that's maybe geographic arbitrage or something like that. But if you, if you do a job and you're not really in love with the place that you work and there's a competitor or even something that's similar but different, right? Maybe you do the same job but in a different industry and they offer a better paycheck. Go. And keep doing that until you max out how much money you can make doing whatever it is you do. So walk across the street for a dollar. I have people, I don't really know what else I want to do. Go earn more money until you figure it out. And then when that extra dollar is coming in, since you survived without it before, you don't need it now, put it in the battery. Next, walk across the street to gain new experience, even if you get a dollar less. So when I decided that I wanted to take my scale, sales skill set and I wanted to switch to marketing, which I had done as a side hustle. I built tons of little websites and things like that, and I had made a lot of little bits of money here and there. But I was like, okay, I don't want to play with this anymore. I want to stop getting in a car every week on a Monday and not seeing my kid till, till Thursday or Thursday night or Friday morning. That's what I want to do. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to go to dinners with people that I dislike. I want to, I want to switch over. I want to take my sales knowledge and go into marketing. I had a couple choices. One was I could have said, you know what, in the middle of my life with my wife, with house payments and everything, I want to go to college now and get a degree in marketing. Or I could take the side hustle that I had developed the skill set with and go market myself into a marketing position, which is exactly what I did. And I went from making about $180,000 a year to making $45,000 a year. So it cost me more than a dollar. But I was surrounded by people that knew what I wanted to learn every day. And the truth is, in a year, I more than doubled that income. And in another year, I was back up where I was. Because it was always the plan. And that's the attitude that you have to have. If you're going for the experience, once you gain the experience and you can't get any more experience, if it won't get you more money where you are, take it somewhere else where it will. Next, and this is what I'm talking about here. This is the overriding theme of those two things. Treat your job like being self-employed, employed, but you only have one client. What you do is so labor and time intensive, you don't have time for more than one client. So if there's a better client that you can go get, You go get that better client. And if you can't get the type of clients that you want, then you have to take maybe a lower quality client to let you get experience in that market to prove yourself so you can get the better client. Act self-employed. Act self-employed. because Don't believe that your money is secure. We shouldn't have 800,000 federal employees, quote-unquote, suffering right now. 
wanting to get interest-free loans from their friggin' federal credit unions. But that aside, people that think my paycheck's secure because I have a J-O-B are absolutely delusional. And I don't blame them because our society has taught us to think that way. Get a good job with good benefits and you'll be <laughs> great. Yeah, no. If you're self-employed, you damn well know you better be stacking the batteries. You better have not just a battery that's full, you better have a bank of friggin' batteries because you know the next client may not come. Treat your job like that. That's all I'm going to do on employment today. We're going to move into specific side hustles and some ideas. One, and we kind of talked about this with aquariums yesterday, but I'm not talking about aquariums now. Growing and selling plants. I look at plant propagation like printing money. The fact that there are plants that reproduce through something called division is insane. It's absolutely insane. If you really think about it, I plant this plant, and then I can dig it up and pull it into pieces and stick them back in and more grow. The fact that there are plants that propagate from cuttings. I take a snip off here, dip it in a little thing called root hormone, stick it in this dirt, and it grows. Some of them maybe you need a misting system or whatever for. But we can grow plants. You can grow hundreds and hundreds of plants in a 4 by 8 box taking that approach. And there's a bunch of different ways to do it. But what I would do is figure out what do people want to buy that they can't get that can be easily reproduced, or what do people want to buy online that they routinely pay for more for online than I can source it for locally, or that I can source it for online and sell it locally. You know, what if you did this? What if you just to get started, you found a particular plant that you thought was really good at a place uh, to market, at a place like Lawyer's Nursery, right? Or um, Coldstream Farm, or any place that sells large amounts. Where you can buy like a hundred trees, and when you buy a hundred trees, you get them for like a dollar. And what if you went on a, like your local next door website and stuff like that, and said, "This spring, I'm going to have X tree available, and here's all the wonderful things about it. I'll be selling them for ten, potted for ten dollars a piece. Who would like to pre-order one now? At fifty. You just made 500 bucks, and your cost of trees is at a dollar a tree, hundred dollars. The other 50 are free. You can keep trying to sell them. You can plant them in the ground, but oh, that's 500 bucks. Well, it's only 500 bucks. Okay, it all adds up for you, or it all adds up against you. That's just one way to look at this. I can't go deep into each one of these in a podcast. will go too long today, right? This is be a shorter podcast than than the last couple of days. Next, flipping products on eBay, Craigslist, Facebook, etc. I, I think if you're dead broke, like this is too easy not to do. And, and there's, you can spot opportunities. Can you find again back to? Can you find something you can source locally, or buy in bulk and sell individually online? Whether that's trees, I don't know. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. When we get to the aquarium stuff here in just a second, I'll, I'll talk about an idea that fits this one. So we'll just switch to that. But flipping product is a great business model. Because a lot of times you can find a place where I know I can get at least 20 of those things from this place. It's just sitting there. And I know how much it's going to cost me. You can literally go advertise, take pictures of it and advertise it without spending your money on it. And if it sells, you go buy it. There's better ways, but that's an easy, zero-risk way to get started. And at least start building a seller's relationship on some of these platforms. 
On aquariums and easy money. So I talked yesterday about growing plants. Um, but there's other things you can do. So I was listening to this guy, um, Aquarium Co-op. It was, it was either Aquarium Co-op or it was King of DIY. One of those two guys. And they were doing kind of a podcast video interview type thing with a guy uh, that was making like a couple thousand dollars a month in aquariums. And he said, well, are you selling fish? Are you selling plants? What are you doing? He goes, I don't do any of that. I clean aquariums. So he went out and got a very small handful of corporate clients. He has a full-time job, so it is a side hustle. He does three or four aquariums every Saturday. And he puts almost $2,000 a month in his It's like $1,800 a month in his pocket. And some of it's not the most fun, but it all adds up for you or it all adds up against you. On the flipping products thing. So I did a video recently with my aquariums. And I was talking about how the shrimp that are in there, you know, really nice cherry shrimps off six bucks or more, and really nice blue shrimp, which are the same species, they're just blue, sell up to nine bucks. And some guy commented, he said, where the hell are people paying that much for these shrimp? I have a shop right down the road for me, and all this stuff's like two bucks a shrimp. I'm like, dude, that shop was down the road for me. I'd set up a little shrimp website or a little advertisement on eBay And I'd sell them for four or five bucks. And I'd let that guy be my inventory source. And he's like, well, he sells out in a day. I'm like, well, you know, you could have an arrangement there for a certain number once you know what orders that are going to come in. And if you ever get an order you can't fill, immediately cancel it, refund the money, and say, I'm out of stock right now. Can I get to you next week? Don't even say, I'll get to you next week. Can I keep your money? Give the money back. Keep it low risk. Keep that customer. You don't know what you're going to grow it into. And if you grow it into something, that person, you don't know, they might turn into a person like me that has tanks everywhere that buy shit all the time and they're like, I trust this guy. Cultivate those early relationships with those side hustles. You'd never know. I think the way that it was put one time is be careful of the toes you step on today. They may be connected to the ass you have to kiss tomorrow. And there's something to be learned there. Um, but there's a lot of things you could do that in that space. And it's a huge market. Um, next... People Just on pets, people almost never cut spending on their pets' needs. People will call the phone company and see if they can get a better long-distance rate, even though nobody should even have a landline for long-distance anymore. But they'll do it. They'll go down to the phone store, stand in line for, for a freaking ever, to see if they can get a better plan to save 10 bucks a month on their cellular plan. They will start buying a generic brand of their groceries. They, they'll do, they'll cut everything. They'll, they'll go from the advanced to the basic cable package or get rid of cable and use an antenna. They'll do all that shit before they stop buying the preferred dog food for their beloved dog. And it seems like the people that have one little prissy dog are more like that than anybody else. So people are going to spend money on their dogs even in a recession. And there's a lot of things there. There's, there's walking. There's grooming. There's pet sitting. There's being a trainer. right? There's a ton of opportunity there. And that is just networking with your local vets. And you can probably get more business than you can handle. I know a gal in New Jersey that they finally moved to Pennsylvania. And one of the reasons they did is she had built up such a successful pet sitting business she was worried. But blowing it out. You know, paying herself after expenses about 80 grand a year, pet sitting. Now, hello? Hello? 
Now, yeah, it's probably not as good as being employed at 80 grand a year from a financial standpoint because, hey, you know, that doesn't come with health benefits, etc. But it's not bad walking dogs and petting them for 80 grand a year. If you put up an advertisement for that job, you'd have thousands of resumes coming in for it. There is no job like that. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You don't get paid that kind of money unless you create the opportunity for yourself. So the pet industry, I think, is a huge opportunity. Absolutely massive. Um, do you know that today people are either too lazy or too busy to clean their own houses? I knew a couple. Jerry was the guy's name. I don't remember the gal's name. This was back when I was kind of, a, I loved to fish, but I was kind of in an addiction state where I was, I was literally fishing too much for my own good. For the sake of my family, my career, everything. I was fishing almost every day. I still had a lot of flexibility. I was in sales. I'd kind of weaned myself off of as much travel. So I, when I got done for the day, when I closed my business for the day, I went out and went fishing. And I used to see these two people on the lake. Didn't, you know, I didn't get to go five days a week. But it didn't matter what day I broke away and got to go on the lake, I'd see them on the lake. And I'm like, how the hell do you all fish every day? You guys are like in your 40s. You're not retired. Like, no, we have our own business. I'm like, what do you do? We clean houses. And they love to fish the same lake that I was fishing at the time, Joe Pool Lake. Well, there's a whole bunch of expensive houses around there. So they took the approach. Get this. This is how they designed their life. They would only take customers in the neighborhoods right around the lake or the, the high-end neighborhoods that were on the way to those houses so they could schedule them. So the last house they had to clean every day was less than five minutes from the lake, and as soon as they were done, they could go fishing. And I don't know how, you know, I didn't have deep intellectual financial conversations with this couple, but I know that not long after I met them, they were driving around in this old beat-ass-up old boat, like a 78 or something, and they went out and bought like a $30,000 boat. And they didn't look like they were hurting for money. I'm just going to say that. Now, I'm not saying they were the wisest spenders, But I'm saying whatever they were doing was good enough that they were able to live the life that they wanted. And they pretty much fished about 300 days a year. And they answered to nobody, and they did a good job. That was the thing. They, I know that. I did have conversations. That they, like, how do you get more business? Once we get a house, we get another one on the same street. And we can only do so many if we're going to do a good job every week. All they do was clean houses. Um. Another place you can do, thing you can do is check out sites like TaskRabbit. TaskRabbit is like a site where like, I want somebody to come put this piece of furniture together. It's basically a handyman on demand site, but it generally leads more toward furniture assembly and, and, and things of that nature. But it's, it, it's kind of like an Uber for people to go do shit locally. So it's not, you know, doing somebody's programming work like from Renacoder, which you could also do if you there's another side hustle. If you know how to do coding, set up a profile on Renacoder. But TaskRabbit. Now, to me, a, a thing like TaskRabbit is self-limiting. You're only going to get so much business, you're always going to be in a place where you're competing with a lot of other people for it. But it is an incredibly powerful marketing tool for someone that wants a handyman-based business. By the way, the gal with the pet-sitting business, her husband spent almost 20 years at a company in their technical department doing high-end computer work for a lot of money. And 18 months before he would have qualified for his retirement, they got rid of him. You know what he does now? He's a handyman. He's a hell of a lot happier. 
Okay? I'm just saying, people actually do these things. These are not pie-in-the-sky ideas. But TaskRabbit, when I saw that, I was like, holy crap! And by the way, it's, it's, it's spelled exactly like it sounds. T-A-S-K-R-A-B-B-I-T. Right? TaskRabbit. I was like, so people that are like, gee, I bought this entertainment system from Ikea, and I don't want to put it together, will go on this site and pay me to come put it together. And the majority of people on this site are dumb. I don't mean the, 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 the ones doing the paying. I mean the ones doing the work. They just see that. That's all they see. I see a contact. So I have a nice business card. I have a, you know, low or no risk. It doesn't cost a lot of money to make up a few nice-looking shirts Wear a decent pair of jeans and work boots. Get a magnetic sign for your truck. And show up. Do a great job. And look around the house. Oh. That picture's crooked. Yeah, when I hung it up, the nail pulled out. I got some stuff in my truck. Let me fix that for you. Boom. Well, what do I owe you for that? Nothing. But, here's my card. Anything you need. These are the things that I do. Print out a trifold brochure. If you need it, do I need to go back to TaskRabbit? Well, you can, but a lot of the stuff that you might need that's in there is not really TaskRabbit type stuff. I'm building my book of business using them as a marketing platform, and they got their cut. They got their cut for that task that I did. A year later, maybe you're remodeling bathrooms and making some real money. Because unlike the average person, you understand the power of what's in front of you and recognize the pattern. People are paying for leads. You're getting paid to go out and do a task to generate a lead for yourself. And man, get that person's email address. Get that person's email address. Because, hey... This is Tom. I've done work for you before. I just came across a whole bunch of fill-in-the-blank really inexpensively. I was thinking this would be great for building fences, building decks, doing this, doing that, whatever it is. I have some time available next week. If you're interested in this, let me know. See? That's not hard, is it? We could be teaching this to ninth graders, but we don't. We don't because they don't want you filling up your batteries. They want you filling up their batteries by taking a loan for fifty dollars to $100,000 before you've made a dollar in your life to get an education that's priceless. And it's priceless, baby. It's priceless to them. Because now you're their battery paying a percentage of what you earn until you effing retire. Yeah. And they're building wings at these universities on the backs of people doing that, coming out with degrees and nonsense. And again, I am not really the college hater people think I am. You want to be an engineer, you want to be a doctor, you want to be a lawyer, certain fields in education, hey, university has its place. But it ain't for 70, 80% of the people, guys. Not when there's this much out there available for those that want to hustle. How about creating a local tools tour service? I've talked about this before. Something that's actually unique and different. Wherever you live, there's probably people that visit that for some sort of recreation or vacation. Now, some people live in a place that's so remote and has so little of like a centralized infrastructure that this won't work for. There's some people that every single one of these won't work for. But something will work for you. It's up to you to figure out what it is. But, you know, if you really know and love the place you live, Then you'll figure out that, like, 
there is billions of dollars being spent by people who end up not actually happy with the money they spent. We were just, me and my buddy Dave, we were just talking about this because I had a family member that came into town and they wanted to walk around the stockyards and so we went down there and had one of these big giant family dinners where there's like 20 people at a table and I was willing to do it because I see them so infrequently and I only got one chance to see them this year. So I wasn't upset about it, but generally that, I, I don't like that environment because you can't really spend time with people that way when they're 87 feet away on the other side of another table, right? Um But we're down there, and we ended up going to eat barbecue at Risky's Barbecue. And Risky's Barbecue, if you come to Fort Worth, don't go there. It sucks. It is terrible. They don't even have a good pit smell. Like when you walk up to a good barbecue joint, you should be like, hmm, I smell mesquite. Or I smell oak. Right? In addition to the meat, it's just terrible. But everybody goes there. Why? They're right in the middle of what's called the Fort Worth Stockyards. And people coming to town, never been to Texas before, don't know barbecue from nothing. I want to have Texas barbecue. Well, Risky's is right there. They have a Texas flag. It must be Texas. It's crappy barbecue. It is crappy. Service is okay, but overall, it's just not good. It's not going to make you puke, but you're not going to, you're not going to be like two years later talking to somebody back wherever you're from and they say something about brisket. You're not going to be like, oh man, let me tell you something about brisket. Man, I went to Fort Worth, Texas, and I went to this place called Risky's, where all the tourists go. Best brisket ever. It's not going to happen. But in Fort Worth, if you want the real deal, you can find it. You could build a barbecue and brew tour. Don't go where the tourists goes. Go where the locals go. And you just pick a family up in a minivan or some shit like that, tool them around. I don't have a minivan. I guess I should spend $80,000 on a... Shut up! Don't do that! Find out a place you can get a day rate to rent something. Even if you break even. Test the theory. Test the theory. You know, you're talking about maybe a weekend business here. You're talking about a side hustle, low to no risk. Build a website. Talk about the things that you can do. While you're at it, since you need to make four or five different options for people to take, go ahead and make yourself a list of that and really work it up and think about what you're doing. And on your website, sell, you don't want a tour, here's the top 100 hidden gems in the Fort Worth or fill-in-the-blank area from all of my tours in an ebook for 20 bucks. I don't care if you sell one a month. You had to do that work anyway. You put a little extra work into formatting it. If it pays your hosting bill, it's gold. Stack things. Don't leave money on the table. Don't hate money. Right? How about develop programming skills? Man, if I was 15 years old right now, I would be living in Sam's Guidebooks and learning every type of programming and database formatting that there was. If I was a skilled programmer, When the dot-com boom came around, I would be a multi-millionaire right now. Big time. And I say that, but the, answer, the, the, the reality is, well, maybe. Because if all I did was programming, would I have had the knowledge to do? Because I, I, I've met programmers, and I'm like, man, if you would just stop wanting to bill me $100 an hour, partner with me on this thing, and then the ones that do actually effing put the time and effort to make the damn thing work, and own half of it, 
You can make a killing here. They can't get their mind around it. But if you are an entrepreneur-minded person and you develop those skills, man, you can be dangerous. I hear people all the time, oh, I'm going to get a farm and I'm going to grow food and I'm going to sell locally consumer direct and I'm going to grow vegetables and I'm going to grow chickens and I'm going to grow pigs. And I have no problem with that. But why not sell something today? Why don't you find all of the really high-quality food that's available in your area? Local, and yes, even from somewhere else, but it's maybe difficult for people to get together. Develop a catalog, develop a customer base, and have them order from you once a week. And have, you know, if it's, if you got, if you have to spread that out as far as customers you're willing to take geographically, break them into four sectors and do monthly deliveries per sector. So, let's say you got A, B, C, and D, right? Okay. So, Sector Alpha, here's the catalog, here's what's available, we'll be delivering Saturday. And then Sector Bravo, don't call them that, they won't like that, they won't get it. <laughs> You're going to be selling the uppies here, right? But Sector Bravo, we're going to deliver the second week of the month, the third and the fourth. Or split it in half. We do you know, A and B, and we do A the first week, B the second week, A the third, B the fourth. It's a pretty good frequency there every other week. All people do. And you can set up a, a website to make this simple. They log on and place their orders for the week. You send them an email and remind them, hey, deadline for the orders today. We got some new shit. Man, easy. Easy. You, you, you can't find a person with product that doesn't want to sell it. There's tons of products sitting out there unsold. How do I know this works? Because we found someone doing it when we were selling duck eggs. It's exactly what his business model was. And frankly, at the time, we couldn't, we, we were so, we were selling so much of what we were producing to an existing customer base, we could not take him on. We could not provide to him. Because we didn't have enough product to say, yeah, we'll be here for you. Yeah, we can give you 20 dozen a week. We couldn't do it. You know, we were like, well, next month we might have a surplus, but we don't know. And that's what we ended up doing. So if we have a surplus, we'll tell you, you can blow out our surplus into your, 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 your folks. Well, what price do I get? Same price everybody else does. You gotta stand firm on things like that. We knew our price had to be, and they were fine with it. And they never had a, like, whatever we had. Yeah, we'll take it all. We, do you want to see if you get orders? No, we're gonna get orders for it. So I know that their business was successful. Right? Um, Frankly, in the end, think about how you can make your hobbies pay for yourself. I don't want to go into it again because I already talked about it two days in a row now with the, the fish tanks. But if you have a hobby, just say to yourself, like, okay, if I spend money on this, other people spend money on this, what can this hobby generate as a surplus that can go off to other people and pay for itself? And if you take that approach, you start to realize that there's a lot of things to do that. You know, I have garden ponds out in, in my backyard. And I have to feed those fish. And I spend a few hundred dollars a year on, on food. I can sell two koi a year and pay for all my food. Just just two koi. Well, you know, really expensive koi. I, I know. I know. I know I don't have show quality koi. I get it. But I do know when I have one big-ass koi, there's some yuppie somewhere that will pay 100 to $200 for it. And I had people write me in when I said this last time. No, they won't. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Yes, they will. Just because you don't know how to sell it doesn't mean that I don't know how to sell it, okay? Right? <laughs> I have sold a giant comet goldfish for $45.
I asked 50, and the guy offered me 45. I said, done. All right. A goldfish that I paid uh, 12 cents for at PetSmart. Because it was kind of cool looking, and it was really big. That's a bag and a half of feed. That fish paid for four months of fish feed. It's not hard. And I want to say something else, too. A lot of this stuff, it isn't hard, but there's things you have to do. When I, when I did a show like this a few years ago, I mentioned mobile pet grooming and how we spent a lot of money to have Max groomed because he's old and it's just hard for us to get him in a tub and he's such a baby and people that are actually set up to do it just do a better do- do- job and it needs to be done a couple times a year. And so you could do a mobile pet business. I got this very angry, butthurt email from a lady about how she had to get these certifications and learn and train and work in a shop and get better at what she did. And people think they can just do it and you can't just do it. And I'm like, well, you just did it. She wrote me back angrier saying, didn't you hear what I said? I did all these things. I'm like, yeah, you did, didn't you? So what, are you special? Like only one in a million people can do all those things? People can't go out and get the same sort of people can't go out and get the starting job. People can't people can't find another pathway to the same place you are. Like it's impossible. So can I had to spend so much money on a vehicle? I bet you didn't do it out of the gate. No, I did all these things. And so somebody else can't see what I'm saying? Like this other people are like, well you have to do this, you have to do that. Well then then go do that shit. Because there's two things I want to end with here. And number one, I've used the term already today, mental masturbation. The golden rule of the entrepreneur is avoid mental masturbation about someday. And I was kind of hitting on when we were talking about the food co-op. It's great. You're going to have a farm. It's going to produce food. I understand that. It doesn't have food right now. Your plan is to sell food. Okay, you need a channel to sell food into. Build a channel and grab a supply and put it in there and prove it works before you invest a couple hundred thousand dollars in infrastructure to produce a chicken you can't sell. See how simple that is? So the golden rule... Get something done. Avoid the mental masturbation about tomorrow and what can you do today or at least this week or this month to to put the rubber to the road and make something happen. And the last one, in the end, it's your choice. You can make excuses or you can make money. You can't do both. And you know what? When I posted that on, on social media one time, a person immediately came back and said, What about politicians? They make excuses and lots of money. I'm like, you realize you just made an excuse. Because they're not you. I didn't say shit about politicians, did I? No. I didn't say a damn thing about a senator who's who's, who's grifting from lobbyists. But you know what? That son of a bitch, no matter how much you hate him, he picked the place he wanted to go, he figured out the things he needed to do, and he got there. He may make excuses to you as to why he can't give you what you want. But he didn't make excuses about not being able to get elected. Only Hillary. But, anyway. (laughs) It's everybody's fault but mine. Well, she also failed. Right? She also failed. And that's the lesson, guys. It's your choice. You can go out and figure out something... And then if you're like, oh, well, I have to do this, 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 and this, is it worth it? And how do I pay for it along the way as I go instead of doing it all at once and then showing up and go like, ta-da, I'm here, I have all my certifications and no experience. Does anybody want to give me money? No, you're like, now I can do this. Now I can add that. Now I qualify for this kind of financing so I can expand my business. 
Now my business plan looks better so I can get the small business load I need for the warehouse that I actually need now because I have customers, not because I think I'm going to get customers. It's all for you, man. I was listening to John Willis and Scully's podcast, Pulling the Thread, and they were talking about GoFundMe. And, uh, and John's like, how about just go to F the work? And, of course, you know him. He's going to say the actual word. I try not to do that on this show. Some of you get really angry when you watch some of my YouTube videos or something because I do say that word other places. Um, but, yeah, I was like, just, <laughs> I was like, I can build a website called that. Go to FTheWork.com, a bare knuckles website for people that just want an effing job. Here's my skill set. Here's what I'm willing to do. I'll take anything. I need a job now. I'm a desperate employer. You know what? You'd probably make money with it. So go build it. Go do it. Go make some shit happen, man. You want more? You got to take it. You got to take it. No one's going to give it to you. And here's the scary shit. If you don't take it, if like some miracle somebody gives it to you, you're going to screw it up. You're going to waste it. I'll get people's ass and they'll be like, well, I'm thinking about getting a raise. I'm like, you're going to be more screwed up after your raise right, than you are right now if you don't fix the problems you have right now. Because what you're saying is my house is on fire, but soon there's a truck bringing some more gasoline to spray on there. Gas belongs in your gas tank of your car, man. When we put the fire out, I'm waiting for the gas. It's your choice, excuses, or money. Sorry, folks, you cannot do both, and even the politician is not the exception to that law of life. With that, I hope you enjoyed today's show. I hope it inspired you, and I hope it has you geared up to go out and get something done. If you want to do that, man, hit it full, full tilt all the way and go make something happen. Keep it zero to the low risk, but take the shot. And if you miss and you fail... Fail again. Fail again. As long as it's zero to low risk, it doesn't hurt that bad. You know, keep jumping off the stool until you learn how to land without hurting yourself before you climb up on the table. Learn to do that before you climb up on, on the on the bar stool. Learn to do that before you climb up on the roof. You do that, you'll be just fine, and the failures will make you go forward. Next up, let's have our song of the day. Song of the day today is a really cool one. It's by Hail, Hailstorm. And it's called Dear Daughter. And this song um, was kind of developed in a conversation between members of the band, but mostly between um, Lizzie Hale when she was having a conversation with her mom, Beth, and her mom asked her if she had did a, a good job raising her. And so it started bouncing around in, in her head, and she put a thing out on social media and asked, asked the people that listen to her music, what do you wish your parents had said to you while you were growing up, specifically from a female's perspective? And one of the things is that her mom always supported her. She started band at 13, and her mom really didn't think it would work, and she was really nervous and worried, but she backed her 100% and said, that's what we want to do, go for it. And I don't understand why a, a, a parent wouldn't with a kid at 13. They're not risking anything. As long as they get out of school with an education, right? They're not risking anything. That's what you have the most ability. Parents, we 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 hamstring our kids 
when the cost of their failure is the lowest, and then we wonder why they won't take the type of risk we talk about today when they grow up and quote-unquote mature. You've trained them not to take risks. This, this song has an incredibly positive message, and I think that you know it applies to kids in general and parents in general, but it is written from the perspective of a mother to her daughter, and I think it's really cool. And this is the type of empowerment that we should be teaching young people today. Not that you're wrong for being who you are or being too much of who you are or toxically masculine or too feminine or not gender fluid or all this stupid shit. Don't worry about what other people say. Do the things that you know are right. And pursue and chase your dreams. John Adams' weird way of finding songs that fit the episodes pretty well. That's really what I was talking about today. Pursue your dreams. And just understand something about people that tell you you can't or you won't or it's too hard or whatever. Again, excuses are money. They're making excuses. What are you going to make? With that, it's been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or Dear even if they don't. Daughter, hold your head up high. There's a world outside that's passing by. Dear daughter, never lose yourself. Remember that you're like nobody else. Life throws you into the unknown. And you feel like you're out there all alone. But these are words that every girl should have a chance to hear. There will be love, there will be pain, there will be hurt, there will be fear. And through it all year after year, stand or fall, I will be right here for you. Try to bring it down It's cause they're scared and insecure Dear daughter Don't change for any man Even if he promises the stars And takes you by the hand Life throws you in To the unknown And you feel like you're out there all alone There's a word that every girl Should have a chance to Yeah.